0: Have you ever wondered what it's like to grow an 8-figure econ brand? Well, in today's episode, we go into just that, we go into Audrey's journey, I love chatting with her. Audrey is an experienced entrepreneur, business mentor, and embodiment coach. She is the founder of Wholesome Culture, a lifestyle and apparel brand that she grew to 8 figures. She helps women reconnect with their body wisdom to create a fulfilling life and grow abundant businesses. Audrey is committed to creating a new paradigm for female entrepreneurs that finally honors the body and the intuition, a body-based approach to business. She empowers women to embrace their intuition, stop doing what goes against their well-being, and put systems in place so that they can lean back and create delicious aligned abundance in their life we go into so many incredible things in this episode from her journey building her brand how she decided it was time to sell it how she was able to get into the work she's doing now and so much more so excited for you guys to hear this episode let's get started So thank you so much, Audrey, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your twenties. Feel free to include any shit show moments where it resonate with. Let's start there.
1: Okay. Wow. We're starting right into it. Hello, everyone. Okay, my twenties shit show moment. Ah, uh, like early twenties before I started my business. I would say there's this shit show moment where. I had applied for this, how do we call it? It was like this marketing program, and it was like this marketing team, and then it was all against those other universities. And I was so obsessed about it. And I was like, this is the only way I'm ever going to get successful is I need to be in that team so I can be the cool kid. And I got drunk. I got like, I went to all the parties. I was like doing all the things so that they're like taking me in, you know, it was like kind of a game, but also like, I was really just getting wasted just to get in that thing and like drink the beers and Anyway, it was like university. But also, I really believed that this was the only way I was ever going to be successful in marketing is if I'm part of that team. Because like it's in Canada, right? And it's like it's called the game of communication. If one of those people listen to that today, hopefully they will laugh at me. But ultimately, everyone thought that those people that would get taken were really cool and they would get really successful. And I made it to the finals and there was one other person against me. And I submitted all my papers. And I did not get taken. I got canceled. And I was like, I mean, I'm not kidding. I was devastated. I went back to my apartment in Montreal. my live with my best friend, Sadie. And I was in my bathroom. I was crying like it was the end of the world. And she was just like, bring me a bottle of wine. She's like, you're going to make it through this, Audrey. And I was like... I don't know I'm never gonna make money I'm never gonna be successful I'm just a piece of shit literally and she was like no you're gonna be fine we don't care about those people and the stupid marketing games and I was like you're right I don't care and ultimately I canceled all of that stuff and instead I found a job while I was still finishing my last six months of my degree started working in paid advertising started working with e-commerce brands back then and stopped drinking I was like I don't even want to party with those people ever again. And a year later, I started my business. And so thank God, thank God, I didn't get taken in those stupid marketing games, because life had other plans for me. But it was definitely a rock bottom. And ultimately jumping back that led me through exactly where I needed to be.
0: Wow, I love a friend who already has the wine bottle ready. (laughs) (laughs) Who's already ready for whatever happens. Got you. (laughs) Yes. That's so crazy. So like I kind of want to go deeper into this because we all have an idea of something that we need to be successful. And sometimes we don't get that thing, whether it's like a marketing job or like some sort of certificate or something that we have in our head that's necessary so I'm curious for you what helped you let go of that idea of like I really need this or else like nothing else is going to end up working for me
1: (laughs) yeah I did not let it go I mean for a couple of months I just had to be in it (laughs) just had to be in the grief I mean I I didn't even know the word grief back then because I was not doing any emotional work whatsoever or self-development but I was just really sad and angry and I had to let myself just be there and ultimately like move on, move on and like see what happened and let this idea of what I thought it was going to be, be and let it die and ultimately let something else emerge. And I think the universe was really sweet with me because it wasn't too long before I got a job when I started to apply to jobs and like the people I started working with were like amazing. I mean, my boss were so great. I, don't even have like mean things to say about like my nine to five job. It was really good people. And yeah, I think that ultimately it's like a matter of like letting go of what we think it's going to be because trusting that life has a better plan for us. And that has happened to me over and over again, where it's like, I think this is the thing and it doesn't happen. And there's something even bigger for me. It happened to me when I let go of my former partner, my last relationship It was two years and I mean, I was in grief like the last couple of months of like feeling that and letting go of that. And I was really like stuck in the Wow, what if this was it and I screwed up? And I feel like we do that so often. Like, what if this was the thing and I messed it up? And it's like, you can mess it up. There's, It only gets better. It always only gets better. And like last month, I met someone else and it had been a couple of months now. I had released a grief but this man just like blew me away. Like I was like, oh my God, there's so much more out there, like so much more alignment. And it wasn't a fuck yes. It was like a, a almost full yes. And ultimately I let it go. But I was like, the hardest thing to let go are the things that are like 90% yes. And it's like, can I let myself trust that there's a 100%? Hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that 90% yes versus 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Where in our life are we settling
1: for ninety percent, and can we believe we're worthy of a hundred?
0: That is the real work: is <laughs> believing we're worthy of hundred, right? Yes. yes, And I'm curious if you like, if you're in like a situation right now where maybe you believe you're like worth eighty or ninety percent, but like you can't fully see like that hundred percent. How do you start to get towards that hundred percent?
1: Hmm, this is like a self love journey. It is a self-love journey, and like I think, a self-love and intuition. I think we all can feel when something is not a full yes. Like we can feel it, and we our mind get in the way where we're like, oh well, but it's so good, but it's so nice, it's so comfortable. It's the same thing for nine to five job, right? It's like, well, but my boss are nice. And like I work with good people and then my career might might work out, or like even partnership lovers. It's like, oh, well, but he, he does this and he brings me flowers and he does all the thing. And it's like, can we feel when we're like, oh, but ah <laughs> it's like this, ah. <laughs> but also we can feel this is not a full yes. So can we trust that? And the more we start to make action and take action to hold that standard for ourselves the more we start trusting ourselves and then the less betrayal there is and then the more self love there is and then there's also like learning to love ourselves in through i i love doing like mirror work lately i've been doing mirror work and like looking at myself and be like okay i love you i got you i see you and like just seeing like what am i seeing in myself and like uplifting ourselves in
0: that way can be really good mm. how long do you take to like look at yourself in the mirror? And was it weird at the beginning of like starting to look at yourself and talk to yourself?
1: It's really weird. Actually, I used to do a lot of like somatic practices. I do them every day. Basically, I do like a 30 minute like I move my emotion. I connect with my feminine energy. I like shift my inner state through moving and to pleasure. And in the last couple of months, like there was like this cue of like, I was like, I'm not feeling seen. And then I kept like projecting it on like so many people. Like I kept projecting it on like former partner, I was projecting it on like friends. I was like, they're not seeing me. <laughs> and I know, uh, at one point there was a clip where it was like, oh, I'm not seeing myself. And it's like, that's what she needs. Like this part of me, this like feminine heart that wants to like be loved and seen, like she wants to be seen by me. And when I'm feeling myself up with that this feeling of being seen, then I don't need it from anyone and people can see me. And I start like actually just opening up to that because then I can see myself and I can allow myself to be seen by me.
0: Hmm. You're bringing up so many great things already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, this is great. I kind of want to go back a little bit, right? Because you get the other marketing job, then you decide to start your company, what did that process look like? What were you what kind of happened of like I need to start this brand, I have this vision, like was that the first idea you had or were there a couple ideas you tried before wholesome culture? I'm kind of curious how it all came together.
1: Yes. So, time-lapsing, we are back in Canada and yeah, I'm working at this marketing job and I started like realizing how all those like product and brands are just like really disconnected from their mission and from their marketing. Like they're like giving me the asset and they're like, just run the ads. And I'm like, well, if they were doing this a different way and actually listening to my feedback, I think they could blow up, but they're not, they're they're disconnected. And I really felt like there was a way to do this much better and much more efficiently and much more connected. And I started feeling into like, okay, I think I want to start my own thing. And the first thing that I wanted to do was a uh, vegan supplement protein powder to help people go vegan. And I really, it came from my heart where it was like, I really want to like, help people live more consciously for the planet. I really want to help people make better decisions for their bodies and not like, use like, uh f- like meat that has been done in like factories and like super cruel. And wanted to make an impact in the world. And that's where it came from. So it wasn't like, hey, let me start a drop shipping company and like sell this and that it was like no like I genuinely want to make an impact in the world how can I bring that forward through a product and ultimately I started this supplement protein powder I did all the mix I did all the process it took like five months I think and I had a mentor that I, I met back then and he was American and after a couple of months we needed $20,000 to start that product and i did not have it so what he told me was like why don't you do another product to start gathering emails why don't you do apparel i can help you do that it's pretty easy and i was like i don't want to do that i, I don't want to do apparel <laughs> and it took me a couple of weeks i was <laughs> like no and then i was like okay maybe maybe i try it out and I did it in a way where it was like, it wasn't about the apparel. It was about the lifestyle that we were bringing forward into people's awareness. So it was about like, hey, like this this is like a movement so that we're living more consciously. We're educating you on how to live more in harmony with the planet, how to uh, be more sustainable, how to buy organic products and really creating this movement. And the apparel was part of it. And people really resonated with it so after testing out things on ads after like starting the brand the social media like I think two months in and it was already doing really well so I think like the first month it was hard and it was a lot of trial and error but The second month, as far as sales, I think we had like already about $30,000 in sales. And I was really experienced with scaling on paid advertising. So that was a really big plus for me because I understood really well how to translate that into Instagram and how to have effective marketing there. And there was also plenty of other problems as far as the business. Although the sales were good, there was no profit whatsoever. It was barely making any money. I mean, we were late on orders all the time. Like there was a lot of problem. But as far as sales and momentum, it was definitely growing. So that's how it happened.
0: Well, and how did you change it from having no profit to later on being able to starting to make it more efficient and more profitable?
1: Yeah, so I'm very grateful I had a nine to five job because because of that, I didn't feel scarcity around money when I was growing my company. So I was okay with being like, okay, we're not making any any money here. And maybe even some month, we were even losing at the beginning a little bit. And I was okay with that. But when it started being really exhausting, it's like four or five months in, been working on that thing. And now it's making, let's say, 50000 in sales per month. And it's still not profitable. And I'm like burned out. And I'm working like every evening after my job. But the things that helped is, well, first of all, I started hiring people, even though I was in a nine to five job. So I had this team (laughs) that's managing while also working for clients and for this job and that helped and then the second thing that helped was like my mentor was just like helping me stay motivated and he was like okay like we're gonna figure this out like there's a way like if there's sales you have something here and I was like well what if it's just like a machine where it's never actually making money and like profit what if like it doesn't work out and he really helped me on the mindset to stay motivated to keep working so that ultimately people buy again and there are a little more profit in here and the things that shifted was having more volume helped at some point there was a threshold where like the volume and then the cost of products and everything made it that there was profit and then because the email list was growing so much some people that had been following us started to buy and then the Instagram was growing. So then the, there was more sales from or organic side as well as we were getting more known and known. And ultimately, like yeah, I was starting to be profitable, I think in month seven, I would say. And like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit my job now <laughs> before I get on uh, a mental breakdown, which I did, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> it's all worth it. <laughs> like, so that's like six months of not being profitable of like seeing the numbers, seeing the sales come in but kind of being discouraged. So I'm curious, like for anyone who's maybe going through a similar thing of like, they're kind of worried about their business because it's not at the profitable point yet. Like what tips do you have for kind of making that easier even though it's really hard in the moment to be able to look at that and stay motivated?
1: Yeah, I would say like if there are sales, there's always a way to like shift a little thing here and there to increase profitability. Whether it's like through the email marketing sequence, there are little shifts, whether it's through like upsells, whether it's like the frequency that you're sending email, whether it's like the social media, there's always a way to bring profitability up when you're looking at things. So I would say that's one thing is like looking at all your marketing channels and like seeing how you can improve them, maybe adding SMS marketing in there can be really good as well. And if there's not a lot of momentum as far as sales, then I would say like most of the people I talk to that have brands that don't have a lot of like momentum, they're just not putting their product in front of people's eyes. And they're like, it's not working. I'm like, well, no one is seeing a product of course, no one is buying because now your friends are done buying. <laughs> so what do you need to do? You need a customer acquisition system, whether that, well, it's something I teach in our program, but you need to have a system so that people are seeing your brand. It's not because you don't have a good product. It's not because your business is not working. It's it's not even about you. It's just like, how many people have seen your, your brand? Probably very little.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm like trying to think of all the vegan brands that I've seen doing something similar to yours. And I feel like at least from the ones I've seen, like you're the biggest one, you created the biggest one, the most well known brand. And I'm curious, like what you did differently to really make sure that people knew about you. Like, I feel like in the vegan space, it's hard not to know about you. Like you're very front and center and your clothes are like all over the place. So I'm curious, like what you were able to do to really make sure you're able to create that.
1: Yeah. So, I think like my approach as far as marketing and sales is a little bit different than a lot of other brands. I'm very metrics and KPIs focused. I am really nerdy about stuff. So, it's like everything we did was so optimized. Like, there wasn't, like, my team knew what their goal and their KPIs were. And there was was no one that was like, we're just doing this for fun. It was like, no, we're like optimizing things consistently. Because if we don't, we're going to lose the game. Like, if we don't, we're not going to be profitable. Or if we don't, someone else is going to come in. And so it was a matter of like being really aware of like, what are our KPIs? What are our metrics? How is the business health? How can we optimize consistently so that we're ahead of the game so that I can my employees and I can make sure that our sales are growing. I can make sure that people are seeing our products. So that was a really important factor. And then the other thing was like, we had like a lot of like systems in place to make sure that people would see the brand consistently. And we focused a lot on those systems. We didn't focus on metrics that didn't matter. Like we didn't even focus on growing the Instagram until much later on. It was just growing as a byproduct of our customer acquisition system because people would see the brand because of that. And we optimize so closely, like the way we were running our ads, the way we were scaling when something was working. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are actually scared at looking at their numbers. Like they're actually scared of like actually starting to dig into it. And they're kind of staying a little bit outside of it. So they don't really know what's working and what's not working in their business from like a rational standpoint. Like I'm like all about intuition, But also, I'm also all about like, hey, let's actually look at the data here so that we can make smarter decisions. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't actually look at those things so that they can make better decisions.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to avoid the numbers and the data. It's definitely Mm -hmm. super useful. I'm curious, like with your like designs that you've created, did you create all those designs? How do you know like a design was good or not? And how were you able to kind of test that and be able to reiterate that and come up with so many designs?
1: Yeah, at the beginning I was doing the design and I was basing it off, off things that felt exciting for me and that I thought were cool and I would be looking at a lot of like trends and what was trending and kind of making my own variation of what was trending online so taking my own flavor to do it and later on I want to say like maybe in the, at the end of that year I hired an illustrator. So quickly on, instead of like, not just a designer, but an actual like someone able to draw and like really create stuff because I tried to hire designers and it was like, just the stuff they would do was really like, I want to say mechanical. I wanted something that was like really our brand. So ultimately I hired an illustrator and we we would be doing like mood boards of like what's trending, what's happening, what are some quotes that we feel are like super aligned with our brand. And every month having those like, mood board and then she would create certain design for that based on that and then from there we would be a b testing what was going to work and what was not going to work and only launching what was going to work so we were kind of testing it out and we would also be like asking our audience like what they thought was interesting like in all of those design what did they feel excited about and we would like base it out of that mm. so we were not just like launching a bunch of product and hoping it was going to work we were actually making decision based on the data
0: Mm. I love it. It all comes back to the data.
1: Yes. And Mm. like data and like intuition, because ultimately the beginning was like, Hey, this feels exciting. This quote feels nice. Let's put them together. And then from there, okay, let's test out what actually is like lending for people.
0: And what is something that you wish you would have done at the very beginning of building your company that you didn't do?
1: Probably better self-care, having a therapist, having a like somatic work (laughs) like having like just like energy work but I had no idea of all those things back then so I was just running with it but like my nervous system was so fried after a year or like a year or two like I I was having like chronic pain I was having a bunch of like weird health problems because I just became so stiff like I was holding so much and I didn't even remember what feeling was like because I was really in my masculine. I was really like off a mode, like, okay, I'm holding this, like this team and this big thing. And there was like fires like every week. I mean, like every week there was a big problem, whether it was a lawsuit, whether it was a problem at our screen printing shop, whether it was like late orders, angry customers. I mean, every week, my nervous system was like, okay, what is going to happen here? Like survival mode. And I, I think like having like emotional work and having like emotional support would have been really good for me
0: yeah we don't really think about the effects it's gonna have like later on yeah I mean
1: it's sweet when we're in our 20s we can go for a little bit but now I'm getting my 30s I'm like my body's like you kidding you've been stressed for two days you kidding you need to go get a massage otherwise I'm gonna have a breakdown i am like, all right okay (laughs) like it's just not we just don't have the same capacity and ultimately like it especially as like feminine being and feminine bodies like we're not made to be in the grind all the time
0: yeah and how are you able to balance that like the feminine and masculine energy later on like how are you able to balance that when you're always in that mode of being a business owner
1: yeah so I did not know about those things until maybe The second or third year, my business, third year, I want to say. Even then, I was not even calling it feminine masculine. But when I started to understand the importance of my feelings, there wasn't any choice because my body was hurting. I would have to like lay down and just do some breath work to like calm down at the end of the day. Otherwise, I was really in pain. So I think my body was just like okay, she's not listening. So let me teach her. So that's how I kind of started like implementing practices that were like more like regulation practices, because there was no more choice in here, because I just was not feeling well. And ultimately, later on, when I started to understand like, oh, okay, I've been running on this, like, alpha mode for months that's why my body was so messed up and also in a unhealthy way like disconnecting from my body and when I started to learn about those things like since then like I just have a different way of living like I just hire support I make sure that I'm not like holding so much I have like practices that I do every day I talked about them earlier but like at least like 30 minutes to an hour per day i like feel my body I feel my feeling and bring pleasure in my body I move my emotions like I just cannot not do that otherwise my body just doesn't feel good and I don't feel good and I feel disconnected from myself so uh, having having this balance of like okay I'm holding here and here I'm like letting go is super super important
0: how are you able to move the emotions through your body yeah so most of the practices I use
1: are based in like classical tantra teachings which basically teaches you that in order to awaken you have like you can awaken through the body basically and through feeling what is in your body and moving it with pleasure it's like almost like being a yes to all of life and so i use kind of those like principle in my practices and i breathe i breathe into my body like it's like kind of like laying my body on the floor and every practice is different but i let's say as an example laying on the floor i breathe in my body i put a really like kind of emotional playlist like for me that's i know is going to bring like emotion or like feeling and i breathe into my womb i breathe into my sacral my roots and i start like awakening this like Almost as this pleasure energy, but also this like emotional aspect of the body, the emotional body. And as I breathe into that, then I breathe to where I'm feeling contraction and then I move and then I sound. So the movement, the breath, and the sound is super important. And ultimately, like at the beginning for me, when I was doing those practices, it didn't feel natural. It felt like I was forcing things. And now it's like, it's kind of like going to the gym, you know? It's like, oh, I just lay down there and like my body's like, ah, okay, this needs to move, this needs to shift, this needs to cry. And it's like, there's no judgment. It's just like, oh, great. Like, my heart needs to cry. Great, let's cry. Oh, I'm angry. Great, let me be angry and like hit this pillow and move this energy and like, just go in the wild. And yeah, and then if it's joy and pleasure, great, let me amplify that. So it's really just like letting the river flow as it needs to flow.
0: Hmm. I love that. I love allowing all those emotions to come up daily and being Mm -hmm. able to go through that. It's like the emotional gym versus the physical gym.
1: Yes, the emotional gym, (laughs) exactly. I mean, as women, we need that. Oh my God, like how do we even don't do that? Like when we don't do that, we just explode every like weeks or so. Like in weird ways, it just come outside ways and we wonder where we're like crazy. I mean, yes, I'm crazy, but also I don't project my emotions on people and I don't explode because I've already felt the container that needs to be, It's like almost when the container is full, it's like overflowing on people in our our relationships.
0: I love that because sometimes you explode and you're like, I don't even know why I'm exploding and you realize, oh, it was this thing that I didn't process that happened last week or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So actually creating space to be like proactive and allow all that to come up before like just exploding randomly. So helpful. And what do you find like with all the women that you work with? What do you feel like holds them back in their business? holds them back just like in general you see like common themes
1: Mm. I see a lot of like (laughs) self-sabotage where they're not like seeing what they're doing and I'm like um like for instance I have one of my clients she's like I really want more sales and everything like she does like she just gets really busy doing a bunch of things for her business I'm like but what did you do to grow your sales this week and it's like, no, but I d- posted this thing on TikTok and then I posted this YouTube video and then I, I did this event. I'm working on this event. And I'm like, but none of those things are going to bring in sales. So it's like, what are you actually focusing on? And it's like, well, there is like this tendency like that she had where it's like kind of avoiding trying to actually put the work into things that are going to bring actual sales and impact in her business. And I see this a lot. It's like, One, we get distracted with all the things we could be doing. And two, we're actually kind of afraid to focus on the things that might have an impact because what if we fail? What if it doesn't actually work out? Yeah.
0: And how do you have someone become more aware of all the self-sabotage they're doing, whether it's in their business, relationships, if it's just like an ongoing pattern that they're in?
1: If it's an ongoing pattern that they've been in and it hasn't shifted, I would say definitely work with someone that can support you because if you're not seeing it right now and you've done what you could and you are tired of this pattern and you want to change it, then work with a coach, work with a somatic like therapist, work with someone that knows how to work with the body. Um, That's kind of my my perspective on, on this type of work is like being able to connect with whatever is related to that into the body and like releasing it, shifting it and like alchemizing it into something else. Yeah, I don't believe so much into just mindset work. I mean, some of it is just mindset work, but a lot of it comes down from like some of our early childhood patterns (laughs) that are following us. Oh, those ones. Definitely.
0: We like to follow for a while. (laughs) until we go. They creeped in. (laughs) (laughs) On the opposite end of that, what do you feel like women business owners do well?
1: Women business owners do well in being really creative and like, using their intuition when they're connected to it i think we just we're just so lucky as women we go into those phases we have like our cycles and every month we get this week where like we're super like creative like the the phase the phase when we're ovulating and if you're tracking your cycle you should i mean if you're not you should and if you are you can notice that in that week you have a lot of creative energy you have a lot of like ideas and it's like great can we start using that can we start actually like being using our cycle as an advantage instead of a disadvantage and using those phases of our month to um an an advantage to our businesses so i think like using this creative life force that we have we are literally creator of life i mean how much creation potential is in our our bodies it's amazing so i think that's a really big plus that we have and that we are using and can use even more
0: i had no idea we had one week that we're more creative than we usually are
1: oh yes the week where you're ovulating i think um the yeah the ovulation week is basically when we're more creative and then after that it kind of comes down a little bit where we go more in the luteal phase which is basically when we're starting to get a little emotional like when our hormones are a little off and I mean they're not off they're just changing so it's impacting our moods and then we go into our moon which is more like okay this is time for like inner work and recharging recharging of our our yin energy like our feminine energy we need to go inward so that's when we we skip that in business especially like that's when we get like ultimately tired because our body needs to come back in and then the two following weeks after the the bleed usually is like spring spring and summer so it's basically like if we remember it's like spring summer uh winter fall winter would be when we have our bleed
0: that's helpful. It's helpful to think, okay, I'm in spring right now. Or, okay, this yeah. is why it's winter. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, like, with, with selling your company, how did you know, like, it was time to sell? And I was curious, like, what emotions kind of came up for you around that, too? Because I feel like it's hard letting go of something that probably was, like, your baby, like, that you took care of for, like, such a long time, so.
1: Yeah, so I, like, on the third year when we had our... 10 millions in sales in a year, I actually wanted to sell. And I actually started to feel like my body was like, this is a lot to hold. And I did not listen to that. <laughs> As I would not. I did not. And so I kept pushing. And I remember like I was in a mastermind with amazing entrepreneur, like people that have multi million dollar companies and just great people in general, like not just from a business perspective, but just like just they were like friends and I remember telling them that and a lot of them were men and a lot of them were like no why would you sell it you just made 10 millions in a year this doesn't make sense just keep going you can grow it to like even more and I was like okay maybe I can grow it to even more yeah okay I'll keep going so instead of like trusting this like hey this feels complete I kept going. And what happened is after the mil- the 10 million in a year in sales, COVID happened. And I really wish I sold like before that, because it was in a high. We had like profit, like the business was doing really well. Things were like on a high. And after COVID, a couple of things happened for us and... It was like the cost of shipping went up, the cost of production went up. I had to close my warehouse. We were screen printing and fulfilling in-house. So I had my own warehouse. We had to close that down and outsource everything. So the cost of like doing business went up by like over twenty percent. And then the cost of shipping went up by like maybe five percent. And and then the cost of advertising And I think it was like in the summer went up as well because of the iOS update. So there was like those five things that literally like destroyed our margins. I mean, because we were like running at maybe like 15, 20% margins. And then this happened. And now we're like in the minus, even though we're making like $800,000 in sales a month, a million in sales, we're in the minus. And when we started losing money, I was just like, so overwhelmed I was like I just don't even know what to do with this like how do I turn this around there were so many pieces now to look at it wasn't just like hey like let me just fix this it's like no like do I just stop the sales but if I lower the sales and I lower the Aspen I had to fire my team because I had a really big team so it became like this really stressful situation that I was trying to turn around and I put all my energy for the following like year and a half to try to turn it around but I, I was just over, I was already like wanting to sell it before that. So now I was trying to like rearrange it so that we can sell it, which was also really draining. So ultimately I made the decision. I was like, I, I need to sell it. And It was really at the end when things were like not doing well anymore. And I was like really exhausted of trying to turn it around. And yeah, ultimately I went into that process. It took like maybe six months before we find a buyer. And it was much harder because now the business was not profitable like it was in the third year and the the first three years, basically. So like the climate, like it was like post-COVID and like the economy was not so stable anymore. So there was a lot of things that made it like, okay, like, we're not going to get very much as much as we would, could have had. And at the same time, it was okay, because I was like, you know what, like, that's fine. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I cannot change what happened. And I just have to let it go. And after that, it was like this, yeah, just this ego debt of like, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> been doing this thing for five years. So... Yeah, it was a full ego debt and identity shattering. And after that, I I felt pretty lost. I was like, I don't, who am I? Like, what's my purpose? Like, what do I do with my life? And I think this happened a couple of times in our life. Like when we let go of a job or when we let go of a relationship, like, okay, identity needs to kind of reconstruct here in a new way. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, what did you do in that rebuilding phase after? How did you rebuild your identity, figure out what you wanted to do next? yeah
1: I had to let myself be in the void that sweet void and spaciousness that can be very uncomfortable it's like everyone's like oh I really wish I could just be doing nothing I might, I mean wait that you do nothing and tell me that you want to be doing nothing it's really hard to do nothing <laughs> I just really want to relax and like just live in a garden and like have a happy life and it's like well wait you have your garden and you're really bored you're not I don't know if you're gonna like it so much so especially if you've been in over uh, overdrive for years and you stop you're like oh this is really uncomfortable so I was in this space of kind of nothingness for a couple of months where I don't know what I was doing. I was kind of like just in the void waiting for something to happen and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was feeling a lot of feelings. I mean, I was feeling, someday I was feeling sad about it. Someday I was like releasing it. Someday I was trying to like find new things and like going into those like scarcity stories and fear stories of like, what if I'm not able to build another business? What if this was just luck? That's a big one. I was like, but maybe I just got lucky. Maybe I'm just like this imposter so I think it was like just letting myself be there and trusting that something else is coming and ultimately like I started to teach women how to do somatic work and how to work with healing their bodies and coming back to their emotion which was a really big part of my path as I was growing my business and so I started teaching that and like women were coming to me and then they were like I want support so it was like a humble beginning I mean I was like it was like literally like getting so humbled because I had this multi-million dollar company and now I'm like, oh, I have two clients that are paying me like very like a fifth of my rent. So it's like, oh, this is very humbling. And it's like allowing myself to be a beginner and to not be like righteous of like, well, I should have more because I had a multi-million dollar company. It's like, no, I mean, you're new to coaching. You're new to helping women. You're new to doing this this type of business so restart from zero now see how it goes
0: hmm. I love how you brought up the point of being in the garden and how you always think you want to be in the garden until you're in the <laughs> garden and then you're so bored <laughs> you're like can you just get me out of this garden give me something to do
1: <laughs> yeah it's a big fantasy we have like, we're like oh well I'll just have a garden and I'll just be with eating fruits and just chilling in the sun it, it, it's fun for a little bit but you know it's like when people go on a all included vacation and they're like really excited and after like five days they're like get me the fuck out of here I cannot
0: <laughs> That's so true and like with starting over again and like creating this new identity what's something that helped you with like no, like I can build this new business from scratch. And like, I i didn't just get lucky with the other one. Like, this is something I'm able to do again. Like what helped you with like, kind of changing those belief patterns? Yeah, so taking your actions, like
1: when my intuition was like, let's move forward, even if nothing's happening. Like, cause you don't see the momentum right away. So it's like, okay, I need to make a move here and I need to trust that something's going to come through. And often like it was in the right move, but then it's like, this move is bringing me to a new move. And trusting that wherever this move is bringing you, you're learning. It's really a learning experience. Like entrepreneurship in general, it's like the more you're trying things out, the more you're taking those like little step and those little actions. The more you learn on what's working and what's not working, and you get to learn more of your truth and what's what's wanting to come through. Otherwise, you, you just you just don't know when you're staying in your head and you're not taking actions. So I would say like taking consistent actions and having maybe a support system, whether it's a group program, whether it's like a mentor or coach, it really helps. It helped me. I had like group programs that I was in. I had like mentors and coaches that were supporting me when I was in this phase and helping me find what was my truth in each of those moments and each of those offering that I was doing was probably the the biggest thing.
0: I feel like you have so much wisdom on like energetics and on all these different things on how they can help support us and like building businesses and our identity. And I'm curious, what's something you feel like people get wrong or like about energetics or something people kind of skip over when they think about it? Mm, Yeah, that's a great
1: question. People think they need to be high vibes all the time. (laughs) That's probably the biggest one. Like, oh, well... I, I yeah, like I need to be high vibes, or I need to be like happy all the time for my business to work or i I need to feel a certain way in order for things to work for me. I think that's a really big one that people miss on that actually like you just need to love yourself wherever you are and let your emotion move through your body, and that's kind of the key, and like thinking like oh, if I'm angry or if I'm feeling grief then this means there's something wrong or there's something that's not as high, like almost awaken energy. And it's like, no, like actually you came here to be a human in this human body having a human experience and part of it is to learn to love everything and accept everything. And when we're resisting what we're feeling, that's when it sticks around and that's when it start impacting our businesses. But if we're actually allowing ourselves to, be where you are and let ourselves feel what we're feeling then things start to shift and evolve and alchemize. So I think that's a really big one. It's like letting go of like the need to be a certain way to feel a certain way. And then the second one would be probably like all the stuff around manifestation that for me feels sometimes a little a little off. <laughs> like people thinking that they can just like manifest a business out of like affirmations and like doing a board and like hoping things start to work and like I really think like taking actions and consistently putting like yourself out there at your edge is what makes a really big difference. Like you can just make a board and listen to like a meditation track and like hope that this is going to grow your business. Like sure, like plant the seeds and like get yourself in this state of like openness for miracles to happen and take actions. Keep taking consistent, tiny actions. And I'm not saying like work five hours a day and burn yourself out, but baby steps every day is important.
0: I love that you say we don't have to be happy all the time. And you went into that because sometimes when we have like these different emotions coming up, like it's like, why can't I just be happy? Or I can't just go back to that emotion and being able to actually create space for all of them. And I'm curious, you said putting yourself at the edge, if you could expand on what you meant by that. Yes. So
1: I think the business growth happen all the time at our own edges. And so this can look like for instance, for me, when I was starting my coaching business, like the first time I did a workshop it was so edgy for me. It was so incredibly uncomfortable to like go from like running my team and running my business and being in the back end and just like running this multimillion dollar company without people knowing me to like going on that workshop and like sharing things with people and like emotional processes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die and so that was my edge in that moment and now I don't care I mean bring me on a workshop I was just like let's go but this is the edge of entrepreneurship every time you need to go at your edge and then your edge keeps expanding into somewhere else so I think other things that were an edge for me were like let's say I'm using coaching because it's more new for me in in the last two years but like asking like I asked like a consulting client for like I think $9,000 per month and I was like holy shit this is a lot of money to ask for that's my edge like I feel uncomfortable to like worth myself on that level so it's like there are different edges that we need to go through yeah and that's kind of like our nervous system keeps expanding and getting more comfortable in those spaces and I think it shows up in business even like promoting your product at the beginning it feels so hard even posting on social media feels so hard so it's like do the thing that feels like it's what you're needing to do and also that you have resistance to do and keep doing those things because they it will get easier. Like also another thing that was really hard for me was like writing copy, like writing transformation that was going on for me when I was like, you know, starting my coaching business. I have to talk about myself, otherwise how people are going to know. And just sharing, like, and writing this copy, like, oh my God, it would, like, I would write it in my to-do list. Today, write the copy. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. The next day, I can't want to write the copy today. It's like an Instagram post, like, who cares? And now I'm like, oh, I just, the other day I was like sitting on Saturday morning and I just wrote like six posts and I was like, it's just like coming out. So it's not hard anymore, but things that feel hard at the beginning,
0: they get easier. I love that metaphor, the edge, because it kind of really puts it in perspective of like, what's your edge currently? What's mm-hmm. the edge maybe you got over last year? What edge is like the one you need to get over today? Mm-hmm. I have a couple final questions for you. What's something you do every day, non-negotiable for you?
1: In the morning, moving my body right away. And that can look like going on a walk or like doing Pilates. I love Pilates. It helps me straighten my spine and I feel like, I, yes, I'm here and or like just like even like i do this like spinal movement with my spine and like just like or dancing whatever feels good for me in the morning for like 30 to like 30 minutes to 45 minutes i i do it's super important for me and then i mentioned also my emotional practices i do every day that's definitely non-negotiable
0: and what's something you're learning right now It'd be any aspect of your life
1: mm. <laughs> i'm still learning to trust god these days i was like no am i really gonna say that yes i am gonna say that yeah like it's hard i mean it's hard to trust that there is more coming and that it gets better and that i can let go of control i think that's been a really big one for me because like i mentioned like i was seeing this person last month i was like but he was so great but it was this this thing that was not a match this little thing and it's like man what if no like the mind the mind what if no one else come in what if you spend the rest of your life alone what if you're forever single and that's like it's just that's so it's so real the mind go like uh, clinging and like wanting to control and so it's like let's trust let's trust that higher power has got me
0: mm, I love that and my final question for you is if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self what would you want to tell her or if you want to tell her nothing at all it's an option as well <sighs> I would tell her
1: like girl you're gonna be okay go relax go for a walk take care of yourself take care of your body eat properly (laughs) just go get a float go get a massage get some self-care it's okay to nourish yourself it's gonna help
0: you (laughs) i feel like that's something we skip over a lot in our 20s yes yeah We have to remind ourselves to do yeah yeah it's a big one thank you so
1: much for doing this today thank you this is so fun i just i just loved how comfortable you make me feel i'm just like i just want to offload, unload all the wisdom and the crunchy details
0: i love it it was like so many topics i didn't think were gonna come up today i was like oh this is great this is great this is great <laughs> where can we find you where can we stalk you online
1: yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My name is Audrey and then the underscore castongate, but you're not going to know how to write that, so just look in the description and yeah, I currently help women with their businesses, growing their businesses wherever you're at in your journey. And I also do offer some somatic work based in tantra that I love doing with women, so do those two things in life right now and it's been great. So just come say hi. Okay.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.